Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host with the most, as always, Adela Marcy. And today's guest, well, you guys already know how much I like outsourcing, getting people out on here to teach us essentially how to do it better because, you know, I've been through the ringer and honestly, people have better experience than me at times. Today, my guest is the one and only Nathan Hirsch, who is the founder of today's sponsor, which is, of course, adlamarcy.com forward slash outsource school. Or if you want to go check it out yourself, you can go to outsourceschool.com. Either one's fine. If you use my link, uh, I get an affiliate commission, and you guys also get a fun little bonus, which I'll announce on the page uh, when you see it. With that being said, and me shutting my mouth for a second, Nathan, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Glad to have you on, man. Glad to have you on. Okay, so real quick before we get started, guys, if you haven't raved and if you haven't created a rave review for me, if you haven't shared or you haven't subscribed, please do so. As my very first question to you, buddy, has to be when was the time that you decided that outsourcing was going to be a thing for you? Like, when did you decide? Sorry, I thought you were asking the audience that. Are you asking oh, me that? Yes, I actually meant you. So, Nathan, <laughs> like, when did you decide that, like, now is the time that I start outsourcing parts of my business. Yeah. So it's funny. I, I, when I was in college, I started this Amazon business that, that really took off. And I was a, this Amazon seller that started off selling textbooks and eventually got into baby products. And as this business grew and grew, I, I started getting stressed out. I was doing everything myself. And so I turned to my college friends and I started hiring them. And in my mind, they were my friends. They'd be reliable. They would help me grow my business. And it ended up being a disaster. They were super unreliable. They weren't taking my business seriously. And just hiring college kids in general, even if they weren't my friends, just didn't work, even though I kept trying and kept trying. And I kind of looked towards the, the real world to hire someone like a US employee. And they didn't really want to work for a 20-year-old college guy. So a buddy of mine introduced me to the remote hiring world, the Upworks, the Fivers, and I hired my first VA, my second VA, made a lot of VA hiring mistakes, although I had some success as well. And then I started to really develop my hiring process and I started getting addicted to what I call building my virtual assistant army to, to help me scale and grow my first business. So I was about 20, 21 in college when I first got into outsourcing. That's pretty awesome. Okay, so right off the bat, you kind of answered one of my very first questions, which are some of the mistakes that you've gone through. And let's be honest, some of the mistakes we all go through when we first outsource someone, eh, you tend to think, all right, this person's going to be reliable. Not so much. So my question to you is, where do you find most of the people that you outsource to? Do you go with somewhere like Southeast Asia or do you go with somewhere like the Philippines? I hire mostly from the Philippines. I find that they speak English at a high level, which is great for someone like me that, that doesn't speak other languages. <laughs> um, they, they tend to care a lot about family and community, which is what I want in my business because I want them to have my team be the family and I, I, I want to reduce turnover and keep them around. Um, a lot of them are used to working US hours, although some of the shifts are hybrid or flexible, um, but they, they're still used to working at least some hours on my time or, or having check-in points in my time. Um, and, and I find that and I hate throwing everyone from one culture in a category but from my experience they've been hardworking, they've been reliable and the other thing that, that I like to remind people is when you start hiring for, from any culture whether it's India whether it's the Philippines whether it's Africa whatever it is oh, that culture yeah that, that's just very 
that has a very specific culture that you're going to have to learn and make adjustments to your managing and your, your leadership style. So if you find one that you become very good at, which I've become very good at hiring from the Philippines, you want to stick to that as much as possible. Because if you have your team all over the place, you're going to have to learn how to deal with all these different cultures. And that's going to be a lot harder for you as a business owner. I would agree because you're giving yourself way too much to do and it becomes distracting. Yeah. And I mean, I, I hire, like I have a graphic designer from India. I have a few developers from India, um, but they communicate in the same way that, that my Filipino teams does. So there's always exceptions, but 95% of my hires are from the Philippines. That's pretty cool. Okay. So out of that <laughs> outline, my curiosity is like, say you're running your own online business. Let's say you're an information product business with very low overhead. Like your overheads are fairly low. My question to you, cause there are some people out there, including myself wondering what is the first thing we outsource? Because in my mind, I've had one. I've got. I've had it go one of two ways. I've had it go with. You need to outsource the thing that you do the best, so you can have like teach someone else, get them to take that big stress off your plate, where you can focus on other things. Or would you fill out your weaknesses first? Like, how do you approach that? I'm very curious. Yeah, I mean, I like to hire for things that, that I already know how to do, with one exception. So. My first two hires are always a bookkeeper, which is the exception, and and someone to manage my inbox. So the bookkeeper, I, I mean, I know basic bookkeeping, but they usually know it a little bit better than me just because mm -hmm. they do it all day. And, and I like to get bookkeeping off my plate first for a few reasons. One, I'm not very good at bookkeeping. I If I do the bookkeeping, it's probably going to have to get redone anyway. It's also just not a good use of my time. I run startups, so if I'm spending time doing bookkeeping, that's time I'm not spending growing the business. And I also want the, the data that I'm getting to be accurate from day one. So if I'm hiring, like with Outsource School, before we even had revenue, I hired a bookkeeper for five hours a month, five bucks an hour, 25 bucks a month, not very expensive. But once we started getting revenue, all our books were in place from day one and I could get weekly reports and make decisions based on those numbers. And then the second hire, the inbox person, is because my most productive hours are between 7 and 9 a.m. And if I have to wake up and spend an hour answering my emails, usually not a good use of my time. So I want someone that clears out my important email or most of my emails before I wake up, leaves any important emails for me, that gives me a head start to every day. Again, part-time, five to 10 hours a week. Um, and to me, I found those are two ways to just get off the ground quicker when you have a startup. That's really good because like, that's a great way of doing it because book, bookkeeping, I'm not going to lie, scares the living shit out of me. Like it is my one thing that I'm like terrified of. I'm glad um, because what I'm, I'm glad about doing it this way is I'm happy that I hired someone else to handle my bookkeeping. But for the longest time, I was so terrified of doing that. So the moment I got around to hiring others, it, uh, it really helped out. So I'm glad that you actually have that whole process where you just start out with things that you can do and things that you don't want to do to begin with and get your foundation right because a lot of people don't. And I'm kind of like craning off of that. I've got to ask, what has been one of your best all-time stories in terms of being able... Actually, let's rephrase that. Let's scrap that. Let's make this a little bit more interesting. What has outsourcing done for you? Like personally for you and what have you seen it do for others? Yeah, I mean, I just sold a, an eight-figure business that was completely run by virtual assistants. They were billing me 2,000 hours a week. I couldn't work 2,000 hours a week if I wanted to. We had 
no office, no US employees. It was me, my business partner, and 35 rock star full-time remote VAs in the Philippines. We didn't have an office in the Philippines. We didn't buy them laptops. They all worked from home, worked remote. So, I mean, that that's what the potential is. I mean, you can get up to an eight-figure business nowadays with the internet, technology, and that hiring from all over the world without any of the overhead and without the high cost of hiring remote. Now, I believe it in treating people well. And, and one of the cool things we did is we took $500,000 from the sale and gave it to our team in the Philippines and made sure their jobs were secure and that their raises and bonuses were, were still in place and, and all of that. So to me, that's our success story because we created a, a win, not just for us, a win, not just for the new owners who I have a great relationship with, but a win for those VAs who worked so hard to help us grow this business. And, and to me, that's kind of the, the ultimate goal. It is. That's absolutely brilliant. Um, I actually, that, that, dude, that's so inspiring. Mainly because I'm like looking at my own stuff and going, holy shit, I need to start hiring some more VAs uh, and get that going. But that's my plan. August is, uh, I, well, by the time the show comes out, I'll have like a team of about two or three people, which would be quite nice as well. So I got to ask, because this is something I've, I've spoken to one other outsourcing kingpin that's been around for absolutely ages, just like you. And you guys seem to have a lot of crossover, which is really, really cool and good to know that a lot of people have that same thought process. My question to you in terms of differentiating here is I was looking through, of course, obviously my friend Sam Riley's part of it. Shout out to Sam Riley. She's, yeah, a, fucking awesome. Aussie, she's a fucking awesome Aussie chick. Love it to pieces. Um, I got to ask, what has been like the most common mistake you see beginners that are outsourcing make? Because like for me, it was a case of like, I fucked up all my interviews. And then secondly, I didn't know uh, what to assign the person I hired. Like I thought, oh, this is just going to be easy SEO stuff. And I was like, oh crap, I really need to train them up as well. Yeah, I, I think that whenever someone comes to me and they're like, hey, I have issues with my VAs or it's not working out or whatever it is. My first two questions are always, how did you onboard them? And what, what kind of meetings are you running? And for me, yeah, like I could go into interviews and, and we have this interview process called the CARE method, which stands for communication, attitudes, red flags, and experience. But to me, the issue usually comes at the onboarding. And that's a step, step that most people skip where most people jump right from, hey, you had a great interview, let's start on Monday, where we have that extra step where we go through expectations with them, expectations of schedule and issues and how to communicate issues and what your backup plan is and culture and, and communication. And so we call it our sick method and spending that extra 20 to 30 minutes to get on the same page with expectations from your virtual assistant and giving them a chance to back out if, it's, if your expectations are not in line, to me, that's key. And then you've got the, the back end of it, which is the meetings. Once you have these VAs, if you don't want them to fall off the cliff and, and you don't want, and you want to keep them motivated, you got to have a weekly hands-on meeting. You got to have a billing meeting and a, a social media meeting, a customer support meeting throughout the week, you, which you don't have to run every meeting. You can have team leaders or people in the U S or whatever run those meetings, but they have to happen to keep the people on track. And, and we also believe in performance meetings once a quarter where we meet with the VA, we show appreciation, we give them feedback, we challenge them. We maybe give them a little bit of a bonus and, these are key to keeping the virtual assistants engaged going forward. And I mean, if you take anything away from this, make sure you're onboarding your virtual assistant and make sure that you're meeting with them every single weekend and every quarter. Okay. That's really good advice to have. So what type of questions would you ask them? And how would you set that up? Because again, I'm going from like how stupid I am. Like I'm really dumb when it comes to this stuff. I definitely know. Like I'll obviously guys just saying this out there. I'm probably going to pick it up his course. Uh, I'm going to be picking up his course anyway, outsource school. 
because I like to get my hands uh, and my brain wrapped around something I know is like a manageable system that can work for me. So going back to that question, like what would be like a very obvious way of starting the onboarding process? Would you take them through a training section? Would you put them through like a little bit of an idea of what they need to have already? How would you do that? Yeah. So just so we're on the same page. So outsource school, what we call outsource school insider is actually a membership. So you can buy all of our different systems and formulas, our hiring process, our SOPs to get on podcast, to hire a customer service rep. You can do all that separately. Or if you become an insider, which is our membership, you get access to all of that, our exact process, every SOP. We come out with new ones every month, plus our software, Simply SOP. So you get a lot more than, than just one course. Um, and to answer your question about the, the, the questions, so for let's the sick method, schedule issues, communication, culture. For schedule, I want to know what other clients do you have? What is the exact schedule you work with those clients? What is the total amount of hours you're working? So I know, is there any overlap? Are they already working 100 hours a week before they add on my 20 or 40 hours or whatever it is? I want to know what their outside commitments are. Can they not work on Sundays? Do they have to pick up their kid every day at 10 a.m. and they have to leave work for an hour? Like, I want to know all of that up front. I also want to know, are they going to be picking up other clients if they get the job with me? Like, is that is that a thing? And I want to know honestly. And if they lie to me, that's going to be an issue down the line. So. And obviously things can change as long as they communicate, it's okay. But I want that full picture before I hire them. For issues, we go through the five types of issues that people have with VAs, which is personal issues, weather, internet, computer, um, and, oh man, weather, internet, power, computer, and personal issues. So with those, you want to go over how often you have those issues, what is the backup plan for each issue, and then you want to go over how are you going to communicate that issue if anything goes on because they can't just disappear for three days and say, oh, I got my internet back. They have to communicate it with our team and they can't just say, hey, my computer broke. I can't work for a month. They have to have a backup plan. So we make sure that they have a backup plan that they know to communicate with every issue. And we're doing this via Slack. We have all this in writing. So if they lose internet and they said, hey, don't worry, I have a backup hotspot and they don't have a backup hotspot, we go back and we send them a screenshot and it says, hey, you told me you have a backup plan. What happens? For communication, we go through the tools we use and we confirm that they're good with using them. And, and for culture, I mean, I could talk about culture for an hour, but the biggest thing is you want to know that they understand that it doesn't matter how good they are at their job, but if they're not a, a culture fit, that they're not going to last here in the company. So that's just a, a quick preview. And if you become an outsource school insider, we actually give you the exact interview questions we ask and the exact onboarding questions we ask and the answers that you want for every single one. That's so cool. I'm glad that you guys have a full on, uh, full on system for this, because again, I've, well, I've, I know other courses and training programs that don't, and it's really nice to see that you guys do which is lovely. So kind of like jumping off this into something a little bit more fun. What has having the business? Okay. So since you stepped up, since you sold your company for eight figures, what are you now doing with your time? Because for a lot of people, that's kind of like, all right, I've done what I need to do. I've got some good money in my pocket. I'm going to go chill out and do some other stuff. I know you have like, of course, out school school, but I mean, outside of that. Yeah. So my life is a lot more chill than it was before. I will add in that I had a lot of travel plans this year that coronavirus obviously had something to say about. So that was part yeah. of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, outdoor school has been a lot of fun and we got to take a different approach instead of providing the VAs and, and all of that. We, we provide the, the systems and the processes and we're, we're donating 3% of all sales to our favorite charity, Teach for the Philippines. So it's been really good, good to um, give back. But 
I mean, right now I'm going through a move where I'm trying to move to Denver. So I'm, I'm shopping for houses. I just got engaged. So we got some wedding planning going Congratulations. on. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. I got two dogs that have taken up a lot of my time during quarantine and trying to have them. I think they're enjoying my fiance being home all the time, which is um, nice for change. And yeah, just trying to kind of make the most of, of a situation. I mean, personally, I work out an hour every day, very intense. I'm, I'm studying a bunch of things, including how to buy businesses. I'm studying Vietnamese. I'm studying different marketing tactics, stuff that we never use with FreeUp that I can apply to outsource school and stuff like that's fun for me. It's like a no pressure, learn at your own pace. Like it's not like I'm going to, something's going to happen if I'm not like focused on sales, sales, sales every single second. And I've kind of enjoyed a, a different tempo to my life. That sounds amazing. That sounds like literally every, I'd say every entrepreneur's dream, which if I'm not mistaken, I'd say that you came up during like the... I could be wrong here. I'm just assuming, but I'm assuming you came up with uh, at the same time that I did in the industry, which was like 10 years ago, like 10, 12 years ago. Yep. Yeah. Wasn't that just every single person's dream? It's like, what do you do? I chill out all the fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, in college, man, I dreaded graduating just because I did not want to get a real job. I, I had had jobs before college. My parents always made me work 40, 50 hours a week, every summer, every winter vacation. And I learned so much about business, but I also just learned how much it sucked having a boss. So by the time I got to college, I was like, Hey, I got four years. Like I'm going to enjoy college. I made a lot of friends. I partied. I was in a fraternity and all of that. But at the same time I was hustling. I was trying to do started business. I didn't know what business it was going to be. I didn't know I'd be selling baby products on Amazon. It was just through tons of trial and error just because I, I did not want to have to graduate and be forced into getting a job because my parents were not going to let me move back home. Like I love my parents. They're supportive. Like obviously if I got sick or something, they'd take me in. But if I just graduated college and moved back in, like that wasn't an option. So I needed to either get a job after college or start a business. And I did everything possible to, to start a business. Dude, that is awesome. Okay. Backing up a second. Cause you kind of like swept past this one. You like breezed past it. What were the, what were you selling on Amazon? So I started off selling textbooks. Actually, before that, I started off going to this local dump. It was called the dump, but it was really like a tent outside the dump. And so I'd find different stuff there and try to sell them online just to see what would sell and what didn't. And books started to sell well. And this was 2008, 2009. Amazon was bursting onto the scenes. And so I got to college. This was like right going into college. And I got to college. And so I started selling textbooks because textbooks were all around me. That was easy. And I started competing with my school bookstore and offering more money to buy back people's books and selling them and got a cease and desist letter from my college telling me to knock it off because I was stealing too much of their business. <laughs> so that was my first glimpse into being an entrepreneur. And then I, I started, I didn't want to kicked out of school. My parents were teachers that wouldn't have gone over well. So I pivoted and started to try selling other products on Amazon. And I tried everything from sporting equipment to video games to computer, like every typical college guy thing that you can imagine. And I just failed over and over and over. And one day I was on this website, slickdeals.com, very popular site. I saw this deal for a baby product. I randomly listed on Amazon in five seconds and it sold like 20 minutes later. Like, oh, that's pretty cool. So I listened another and I listened another. And all of a sudden I was like, man, I'm onto something. And I found this niche in the baby product industry that at that time, now it's a very crowded industry, but at that time, not that many people were selling it on Amazon. Yeah. It's crazy how like that blew up in that that business just went crazy after a short while. But it's interesting that you pick up so many new strategies and ideas from one business and how you can transfer them to another. Because I know for a fact what you picked up in Amazon 
definitely helped you in your next venture and will probably still helping you now and what you learned back then. You're 100% right. So with the Amazon business, it took five years, but I learned how to hire. And, and that's why I'm so passionate about Outsource School now because I'm like, hey, anyone listening, like you can spend the next few years learning how to hire. Like you will figure it out. If you spend enough money, enough time, enough wasted resources, you will figure it out. Or there, I always wish there was just a faster solution like Outsource School is like, hey, here's the process you go through to have success over and over again hiring. So I learned how to hire eventually from my Amazon business. And then when I started free up this marketplace for pre-vetted VAs and freelancers, I knew how to hire. So I hit the ground running, hired really good people from day one. The same people I hired in the first month were with me four years later, got that awesome bonus. Like we had almost no turnover. It's such an incredible team, but we had no idea how to market because Amazon did all of our marketing for us, right? You pay Amazon the 15%. They get all your customers and that's that. So when we started free up, we, we had to learn how to market. So the same way that I went on Amazon and started listing random products and seeing what's working. I started doing that with, with marketing, figuring out what SEO is, what the, what are the benefits of going on podcasts? Well, well, how do I get influencers to promote me? How do I do lead generation? How do I do email marketing? And so we started just learning and learning and learning. And the great part about VAs is you can try lots of different things low risk, high reward, the stuff that's not working, you pull back, the stuff that's working, you double down. And we developed this very good organic marketing blueprint. Again, people listening can do the same thing. They can do this trial and error until they figure it out. But we spent almost no money on ads for the four years of free up, growing it from a $5,000 investment to $12 million last year in sales. And we did it without any ads, just this organic marketing playbook of content, partnerships, affiliates, podcasts, lead generation, like the backlinks, like this is what we did. And now it's the same systems that we teach to our outdoor school insiders. And it's the same blueprint that we are using to grow outdoor schools. So we start outdoor school now and we know how to hire. We have this organic marketing playbook. We spend the first six months building both of those back up to the same level that they were at free up, which is where we're at now. And now we're like, all right, What's next? Now let's learn paid ads. Now let's learn um, how to spend money and have that complement our organic marketing blueprint. And that's kind of where we are right now, figuring that out. Although I've gotten a lot smarter and now I'm hiring some consultants and stuff to help and hopefully speed up that process. So that, that's kind of exactly what you said. You kind of take what you learn and apply it. And now you kind of find cheat sheets and shortcuts to help accelerate that. That's pretty awesome. Damn, dude, that, that, I, I love the fact that you just kind of went, you know what, fuck it, let me show you what I learned. And I love it when people do that on the show. It makes me so much happier because you just bring it, which is nice. Moving away from like the business side of things, because again, like you said, you're, you're doing so many other things. And I'm assuming you're the type of person that their brain doesn't have to always be engaged, but you like to keep yourself challenged. You like to keep yourself growing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's an information overload part that I think people get to. I'm, I feel like I'm right below that. I was actually just having a conversation with my business partner yesterday and we're like, all right, like what are the, what are the focus for growing outdoor school? Let's learn how to be even better at organic marketing. Cause we're pretty good now, but we can always get better. Let's learn email marketing. Let's learn Facebook ads and let's learn webinars because we didn't do any of that stuff really at free up. And that's, what's going to take our business to the next level. And so that's kind of what we're focusing on now. Plus the fun thing, like I'm learning Vietnamese, my fiance is Vietnamese. So that's more of like a, a fun hobby. So to me, it's always, 
is learning, but you got to make sure that you're learning the, the right things that things that you can actually apply to your business. Cause I think a lot of people are like, Hey, I'm going to learn this. I'm going to start this. I'm going to learn this and start that. And they never actually finish something where, man, if I'm starting something like I'm finishing it, if I'm buying a course or, or whatever it is, like I'm committed to it and I'm buying it with a purpose because I know that I'm lacking that in my business. Yeah. Dude, that is so awesome. Fucking love that. I just love it when like people just have that all together. So that's actually really interesting that you actually learned Vietnamese because Vietnamese is for me, at least it hasn't been an easy language because I used to be able to speak Thai. Um, I've spent so much time away from it that my vocals are totally shot. That I cannot get them to the pitch that I need them for words to, uh, make sense. If that makes sense. I'm in the same boat. I mean, I'm, I was <laughs> the worst thing I was always at at school was playing music. So I played the saxophone and the cello. I was the worst person every single year. And I feel like just the fact that I'm tone deaf um, makes it very hard to learn a language like Vietnamese. <sighs> for sure. It's one of those things like Thai was the worst for me because I remember with Thai, it's very, I know it's like a different language, but well, it is a different language entirely, but it's a case of um, if you get the slightest inflection wrong, it changes the meaning of the word. So you could be like, I love you, or I want to kill you, like so close together. I'm like, why are they so close? Like, <laughs> what the hell, guys? I think they just did it to like fuck around at that point. But hey, I yeah. love I love Thailand, so it's all good. But For me too, my fiance's family speaks Vietnamese. So just the fact that I can like pick up small amounts of words now puts me in their good graces. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I mean, the fact that you're actually even learning is is a huge deal. Um, it, one of my friends. Uh, they actually didn't learn their partner's language for about 10 years. And it was the craziest thing. So I looked at their kids and everything. The kids spoke the language. My friend didn't even speak the language at all. I'm like, are you not missing out? They're like, oh, I'll learn it one day. Eventually got to the point where they really needed to learn that language. And it was just, it took them a lot longer than it should have. Um, so can, I commend you, man, just for taking the time to learn something like something new, like a language like Vietnamese, especially for a fiance wins all around appreciate it yeah for sure so out of the out of the back i'm really curious about this so i'm assuming so i'm not going to assume um but i am going to ask i guess you're also a huge reader and also a bit of a nerd when it comes down to like um movies and stuff like that it's funny i feel like i have add when it comes to movies for some reason i'm much more into tv shows i mean i've watched who knows how many movies in my life, but I feel like I tend to be more of a TV show short spurts type okay. of person, but reading all the time, man, I'm, I, I read every single day for the most part right now I'm reading uh, shoe dog, which is Phil Knight's book on Great how he book. built Nike. And yeah, it's fantastic. Great book for me. I had uh, so shoe dog is a brilliant book. That's awesome. But the documentary that I've really been into is the last dance. The last day. Oh yeah. With Michael Jordan. I watched oh, that man. earlier this year. Dude, that was so awesome. I'm so glad that like uh, Netflix, Netflix in the UK released it. So I was telling my friend, he was like, dude, it's only on ESPN. I was like, or one of the other channels. I was like, I'm glad that we got it on Netflix. So good. Yeah, I mean, I it's funny. I, I'm 31, so I kind of grew up at the end of the Michael Jordan era. So putting it all together and like seeing how it actually happened opposed to what I remember is pretty cool. Okay, wait, hold on. So are you turning 32 this year or are you 31 now? I right, just had, turned 31 in April. Holy crap. You are like what? Four, five. No, hold on. You're five months older than me. God damn it. I respect my elders. <laughs> <laughs> always the case. But yeah, dude, I'm, I'm very curious about like, um, cause I'm just curious person. I always love like seeing how people think and how they live and what they do. 
but what is it that drives you? Like, that's the real question I'm curious about. Like, what is it that drives you that makes you keep going? Honestly, I, I love like flexibility and freedom. I don't know, for, for whatever reason, like people that tell me like, like any kind of authoritative figure, I just, I don't know. I like, I, I just love freedom in general that I can wake up every day and do what I want when I want. I, I spend a lot of time and, and whenever people ask me this, I'm like, hey, map out your ideal day. Like, what does your perfect day look like? Do you want to wake up early? Do you want to sleep in late? I, for me, I like getting my most productive thing done from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. I go on one podcast a day in the middle of the afternoon. I don't like doing them in the morning. I don't like doing them at night. I like doing my phone calls when in the afternoon when I can walk my dogs and not be in my office and, and all that from one to three. And then I like to work out at 10 a.m. Like, what is your real ideal? day look like and and have either you set it up or I like to have a VA set it up obviously um, but for me it, it's about that ideal day where you don't have to be anywhere minus COVID you can be anywhere in the world and still work like that that ultimate freedom like that's what drives me and just impacting people I mean with free up people were showing me their houses, their cars, stuff they were able to provide with the millions of dollars that we paid out to VAs and freelancers throughout the years. Like to me, that's cool. Like I was talking to Chicky Ann, my longtime VA. And one of the hardest parts of selling free up was not being able to work with Chicky Ann anymore. Um, but she took the bonus money and she got a significant part of that 500 K and she got a new roof for her house that had been leaking for years. Like to me, that's awesome. That is awesome. That is like one of the best things ever, especially because like people are able to actually, you provide freedom for other people, which is just an incredible feeling, which I know for a fact just changes the way that you, that you think and what drives you now. I'm, so this is more of a personal question just for me. Cause I, I'm always curious to seeing how other people are near the same age as me um, deal with things lately. I've gone through like a dip in my discipline for some reason. I just can't get back to that point where I used to be as disciplined as I, as I was. What would you, or, like if you were in that same headspace where you just couldn't create at the same level that you used to, what would you do differently about that? What would I do like differently just in business? Yeah. If I could redo it. Uh, with the Amazon business, I would have kind of seen more that like drop shipping was going to come to an end instead of just thinking it would go on forever and take over the world. Um, probably migrated to Shopify with with free up, I would have focused on software earlier. I didn't really look at this as a software company until year two. And then once you started investing in software, that's when um, a lot of cool things happen and we picked up and, um, yeah, with, with outsource school, um, I, we launched it as one course cracking the VA code. And now we're like a, a membership where you can still buy the, the course. We don't even call them courses anymore. They're systems or playbooks or formulas that you can plug into your business. But I would have built it up as a, a membership first. But at the time, like I, we didn't really know it. it. It was right at the week of COVID that we launched. Like we didn't know if people were going to like it or hate it. Like just cause we sell a company doesn't mean that every idea that we come up with people are going to like. So there, there is a certain element of trial and error that I feel like you have to go through to, to get to the right answers. But at the same time, if I know all the right answers now, of course I would, would have skipped over those trial and error, just done the right thing to begin with. For sure. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's so much. And thank you for that, man. Like that is actually very interesting because it's a, it's a really good in-depth look of what I was doing, which is nice. Quite, it's quite a family, which is lovely. So you've said that you really like TV shows more than you do like say movies. I got to ask, what are you currently binging? What am I currently binging? Or what, um, like, and it doesn't matter if it's one or 20 things. I'm just curious <laughs> what they are. 
Oh man. Um, I'm actually not watching any shows right now just cause I got back from a mini vacation and I'm heading out to Denver to look at houses in a bit in a few days. I'm trying to think of what I, oh, Ozark I was watching before that. That's a great show. Um, I mean, all time favorite shows like the office, breaking bad friends, stuff like that. Uh, what was I watching before Ozark? I don't even know if I remember. Oh, Kim's convenience. Have you ever seen that on Netflix? That was pretty no, good. I haven't. What's it about? It's a Korean family that owns a convenience store and it's a hilarious show. Oh, dude, I'll have to check it out. Fucking love shit like that. Like it always fascinates me. I've kind of gone back and watched Arrested Development. Yeah, I used to watch that. I never, I haven't seen the new season since they redid it, but back when I was in it's high better. school, I watched that. It's better. Like uh, I've, I've actually got one favorite, like, you know, the chicken dance from Arrested Development. Yeah, to, I do. To the, like I can't watch Tony Robbins after watching Job do the chicken dance because <laughs> every time I see it I just immediately think of Tony just doing what Job is doing because Tony claps weird he really does like he claps palm to palm he doesn't use his hand, like his fingers it's really weird um, he's insane <laughs> oh man he is just so much fun but I love I love Tony Robbins so you know it's just a thing to actually do now as you are an avid reader, usually I limit this thing to like five or 10 books, but right now I want you to go ham. Okay. I want to know exactly why you choose these books. So what would, if you were to give a list of books to anyone that started out today or just your best friend, or even more so like your kid, you gave these books to your kid, what books would you give them? Like were essential reading for them and why? Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because I think it's important to understand just finances in general and, and the difference between making investments and, and buying stuff that depreciates over time. Um, but that's a classic. Start with why is a big one for me. I mean, I, with the Amazon business, I didn't really have a why other than learning how to be an entrepreneur. With Free Up, I had a really big why. So that book always resonates with me. Anything by Russell Brunson, just understanding business, expert secrets, dot-com secrets, all of that, just understanding the, the power of a funnel and, and the different things that, that makes business work. I just finished Traffic Secrets, his new book. Um, that's great. Um, I'm actually going through that now. Yeah, it's a solid book. Um, what else? I, I recommend reading the, the Twitter book and the Amazon book. So kind of, the Twitter book shows you, and it's called Hatching Twitter, shows you kind of what goes wrong in a partnership which I think a lot of people look at like, hey, Twitter, there's a big company, they've done a lot of great things, but a lot of intra-fighting that a lot of people don't know about. And the Amazon book, just because they're the most successful business of our times and you kind of get to see like what it took to, to get to that level. Yeah, it really is. It's very interesting to see how people get where they are. Now, I got to ask about traffic secrets because I am going through it right now. Did you use it more as a reference manual or did you go cover to cover? I was telling Connor, and I don't mean this in a cocky way, but I feel like we could have written Traffic Secrets only because our organic marketing blueprint is like a lot of stuff that he talks about. Like we, we've been on going on podcasts for four years. He goes on and talks about, hey, going on other people's podcasts is a great way. So a lot of the stuff that we're doing then minus the paid ads, like I mentioned before, we're kind of getting into that now. Like th these are really the things that we did to grow a business from $5,000 to 12 million with no money on paid ads. It's, it's not impossible. You can do it. You just have to make sure that you are driving traffic consistently using a bunch of different channels. Yeah. I mean, that's something I found that a lot of people keep screwing up on is they focus on one channel and one channel alone, which is great. Like have that all set up, but I'd actually, you know what? I'd love your opinion on this. Say for instance, I managed to get my organic traffic, just pumping, rocking and rolling and stuff like that right away. So I've got some, or I've got one form of like, say my Facebook, my Facebook content's doing really well or whatever. Um, and that's generating money for me. 
at that point, would you say once you've got that money generation coming, like not even money generation, you've got like quite a fair amount of traffic coming from that one uh, traffic source, would you then hire someone to uh, take that over or would you wait until you have two or three of those and then hire someone to take that over? Every single thing's different. I mean, I, what I like to do is I like to develop a process and then outsource it. And, and depending on what it is, like, like I have, I build a Rolodex of specialists of like graphic designers and video editors and writers, and they work with my different social media people to, to help give them the content to post it and all of that. So it's a combination of that and everything kind of, I try to get to run at least like 95% without me, like take podcasts, for example, like I have someone who does research. I have someone who pitches. I have someone who books, books them and sends an email after the podcast. I actually show up for the podcast. So not everything is like VA does everything, but I try to get it as much as possible um, if that makes sense. And then it just depends what the skill sets are. Like I was talking to an outsource school insider um, the other day. He was like, hey, like I, I only want one VA, but they have to be able to do like graphic design, social media, paid ads and it'd be nice if they could do bookkeeping too. I'm like, all right, you're not finding that VA like that. You, if you do find that VA, which I'm sure someone in the world can do all that, you're going to pay a lot of money for them. Like you, those are things you want to split up, but could you get someone who's your executive assistant and also does your social media posts? Of course, that's a lot more reasonable. So figuring out where that split is, is equally important. Yeah. I would agree. Like it's absolutely, it's imperative to have it set up that way and know exactly where your stuff is. Now I'm curious on uh, just, so this is one of my favorite questions to ask on the show and it will always be one of my favorite questions. And that is life invariably kicks you when you least expect it. I mean, no one saw what's happened this year coming and it's knocked a lot of people's confidence for six, but I can tell by the sound of your voice, you don't have that, which is lovely. My, my question to you is how do you bounce back and what do you do now to maintain your level of confidence to keep going? Man, I mean, confidence is like one of those things that at some point you just got to stop caring what people think about you. I think I kind of experienced it early on because I was in college in a fraternity selling baby products on Amazon. So people didn't understand what I was doing. Some people thought I was running a scam. Some people thought I was crazy because I was selling like baby products online. And, and one day you just wake up and you're like, you just got to stop caring. You just got to shrug it off. You just got to laugh about it and like move on and focus on what you're focusing on. Just like they're focusing on being accountants or they're focusing on doing whatever major there is. And so for me, you, you kind of have to just block out all the noise, focus on what you're going to focus on. And, and, and if that's confidence, if that's fake confidence, whatever you want to call it, like there, there's no other alternative. If you spend all day, like wondering what people think of you, how people are going to react. Like, are you impressing people? Like no one's spending 24 seven thinking about you, no matter how much you think people are thinking about you, they're not thinking about you as much as you think. So I think some kind of experience to just get you to shrug it off, focus on what you can control and move forward. That, that's kind of my overall mentality and advice. That's pretty awesome. See, the other way that I have that with regards to if you, if you have a feeling just for people out there, if you guys have a feeling that people are, you know, or watching your every move and stuff like that. This is one of the ways that I've really built it out to test. Do something completely outrageous once. That's all. And you will get such a response that it will actually validate the fact that no one's watching. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I might yeah. have to start doing that. <laughs> I did that with, um, so a lot of people don't know this, but like uh, th there's a bunch of things I've done in my life and there's a bunch of things I do do in my day-to-day -day life that very few people know about because I don't talk about it. Right. And they're only for me, they're like things that I do for myself. 
And the only reason I got over a lot of the fears that I had, like for instance, I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, I haven't been able to train for a while because, you know, COVID. But because of my love of jiu-jitsu and my love of wrestling and, you know, of combat sports in general, I used to get completely terrified. What if someone find, found out, like, you know, my grapple, maybe they're going to start a fight with me or some bullshit like that, which has happened, obviously. You know, you get some idiots to do that every so often. But I found the majority of people that, if I posted a video of me grappling, if I put something up on my uh, jujitsu Instagram channel, we'd get people like coming in through the door, asking me about stuff, wondering what I'm doing, how I'm able to train as often as I am. And surprisingly, even training as often as I used to, I used to get people ask me if I can coach them to create freedom so they can train all the time as well. So it's really interesting that you can actually post your stuff out there. And sometimes you get a positive result that you weren't even expecting. Yeah, that is interesting. It's crazy sure. what happens, right? Like lifestyle businesses and such. But dude, real quick, last question for the show before we uh, wrap up today because I don't even realize what time it is. And man, you are a fast talker, which I love. It's brilliant. Yeah, I, whenever someone's like, hey, this podcast will take an hour, I'm like, hmm, will it? <laughs> will it take an hour? No, I don't. Which is weird, which is strange to me. This is probably my shortest show that I've done in absolutely ages. So the floor is going to be yours for as long as you want it, my friend. And that question is quite simply this. For the people listening at home, the entrepreneurial, or even if they're not, and they're just like listening in because they're at home with COVID, like they're at home because of COVID and followed, what advice, what three pieces of advice would you give them to get started on that route towards freedom? Put $5,000 in a bank account. I've started three businesses with less than $5,000 and start messing around online. Spend small amounts of money here and there. See what's working. You'll learn a lot and try to make money with that $5,000. See if you can turn that $5,000 into $6,000 and that $6,000 to seven, and just experiment. And if you run out of that $5,000, start, take a break, go work, make that money back, invest another $5,000. Like that's really how I get started. There's so many ways to make money online. There's no step-by-step, like if you follow this, you'll be a millionaire. It doesn't exist. There's going to be trial and error. And the best way to start is to put money into a separate account and say, hey, this money's gone. Like I'm going to lose it, but let's figure out how to make money with that money. And a lot of really awesome things can happen. I'd also start networking with other entrepreneurs. I try to network with new entrepreneurs every single day, reach out to them, don't sell them, don't pitch them, be super respectful of their time. If they reject you, be even more nice and and say that's totally fine, people are busy, but see if you can pick their brain, see if you can learn from them, see if you can add value to them in, in any way. I've slowly been doing that and built up an amazing network four years ago. No one knew who I was. I had no network. I came from the Amazon space where everything was secretive and I network with a few new entrepreneurs every single week and that builds up over time. And then my last tip, just learning, just read books. There's so you can go to the library, you can find free stuff. You can find stuff on YouTube. And I'm never someone to just sit down for eight hours and study, 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 pick something out and do it 15 minutes every day, seven days a week going forward. And over time, you're going to learn a lot. Yeah, that's absolutely powerful. Literally, that is one of the most powerful things ever. Trial and error is one of your best friends. And I like the fact that you put five grand aside. Um, because I, I've spent most of my time working with clients rather than doing my own thing. I set aside seven and a half thousand dollars to basically start this new venture that I'm in. And we've got our product launch in about three weeks time. So that's right. going to be like a crazy amount. Like I am, ang- I'm anxious as fuck about it, but it's going to be fun. <laughs> so much it's exciting, fun. man. Oh yeah, for sure, dude. All right, dude, man, you are so right. I cannot believe that I didn't actually even get to an hour. I thought I'd be able to do it, but I didn't. But damn it, <laughs> it's been a fun show. It's been a blast. You've given so much 
uh, great advice and great news to everyone and couldn't, couldn't appreciate you more for it. Um, but guys, please head on over to, uh, well, head on over to adlemarcy.com forward slash outsource school. That is one word you'll see in the link and the description below. Also check out Nathan Hirsch everywhere you can on social media. If you are a fellow podcaster, I recommend you get him on, but also make sure that let's see if you can break the one hour challenge with them. Actually, you know what? That should be, that should be your new challenge, by the way, just as an idea, get me on your show and see if you can get me a talk for an hour. Yeah, that's not bad. I might, might start using that. That would be a great hook for you to run with. Like personally, I just think it'd be a good idea because people love challenges and that will get you on more shows. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, dude, that'd be awesome. Let me know how it goes. Guys, have an amazing weekend. Enjoy where you are. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And as always, as I mentioned, go follow Nathan. He's a badass. As you guys just heard, you saw how he does what he does. And he just, he shares so fucking openly. So go ahead and follow him. And for that, I'm always appreciative. So guys, speak soon. Bye. Bye.